It is Monday, August 9, 9.36 p.m., and I sit down to record this podcast. I don't have much of an idea of when to say, but I know that I need to sit here in front of this microphone. And I do so with another episode already in the making. I stepped away from it 11 p.m. last Wednesday and never got back into that that state of mind that I recorded, and I'm still not ready to pick up on that episode. There's some thoughts that are coming to mind, and they're the reason I'm sitting here, and yet it's, yeah, it's still not a lot to go on. So here we are, just almost as usual, but I think of late I've, I've developed that I wanted to say much more than I have at this point. My name is Kerry, and you're listening to From the Hip. Also, I apologize for the sound of the air conditioner you might hear in the background. Usually, I uh, I cool the house down or heat it up, and then turn the controls off so that that we never get any of that noise coming up. But this evening, that is just not on the menu. So what is on the menu? I received an interesting text message today, um, totally out of the blue, apropos of nothing as far as I can tell. That's fine. It's not of nothing, I guess I should say, but as far as the particular moment in which it arrived, it was unexpected. And I'm not going to share the contents of this message, but which is going to make it somewhat difficult for me to talk about it without talking about it. So I'm still going to try. I, I'm going to you know, talk about some of the things that, at least in my life, led up to that. And, which is that, as far as, uh, as a matter of chronological events, leading up to receiving this text message, it's just, uh, it's good timing. So, I went to dinner last Thursday at a friend's restaurant and and dinner turned into drinks on the roof which was quite nice and I I was surrounded by just two people uh, on this rooftop that I knew and uh, fortunately this is just a rare scenario for me where and wherein there's um, say 10 people all gathered together and and having a group conversation or that I get to meet um, a couple of people nearby nearby to me who have really similar interests as myself and so in in that process a couple of these people we sat down next to each other and and this uh, man who's right about my age turns to me and he says so what are you looking forward to? What have you got coming up that you're looking forward to? And 
you know, this is this is honest to goodness the truth. So I, I really don't want to underestimate uh, understate that. I said, well, every day I get to go out and interact with my sheep in a way that transforms the land. You know, every 50 or so days right now, we're turning each little patch of land into a brownscape that then reverts to a greener scape than it previously was in many examples. I get to be part of, of this rejuvenation and regeneration of the land every day. Uh, that's what I look forward to. It reminds one of elevator speeches, or the, the concept of elevator speeches. I, I never really gave one of those. <laughs> I've, never, I've never been that sort of pr- professional. <laughs> I, 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 I like not sounding canned. And yet, what I told him, um, was it was pretty close to what I just told you, and and it came out fairly smoothly, and that that was maybe the most canned sounding thing I've said in a long time, <laughs> but I. Or, or ever, but that was not a prepared speech, <laughs> and uh, and uh, it's the truth, you know. So I, a lot of people, I guess, might have answered differently, and and no no offense if if you would have answered, you know, while well, I'm looking forward to this vacation, or I'm looking forward to this. I don't know, pay raise or promotion or um, visiting my so-and-so um, engagement marriage so on and so forth no there's no problem with that these you know these are events on the landscape of life that are worth looking forward I I I sit here looking back in, in a bit of amazement because I made that decision. I'm not even sure now how long ago it, it was that I made that decision to look forward to every day. There were there were different inspirations, um, probably spanning back uh, about eleven years. Yes, eleven years or twelve, perhaps maybe maybe more like twelve years to the day, twelve years to the month. There were inspirations spread out. 
and and so since I only kind of brought that to a fruition which is really pretty consistently true it seems like I must have made that decision much more recently than than 12 years ago or 10 or 8 you know what we're looking forward to has to be sort of analogous to what is life supposed to be I think the whole the whole context of a question like that is is you know what goal are you trying to achieve or 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 objectives along the way milestones towards that goal you know what what is it apart from your everyday life that you're looking forward to You know, because that thing that you're looking forward to is is su- su- probably going to represent harmony and satisfaction that life is the way you want it. Now cut away from that focus to the negative space. And what's in there? Were you looking forward to that? Should you have, what would your life be like if you were looking forward to every hour of it? That's, that's heavy. That's heavy. Certainly don't receive this as preaching. Because it's not. Uh, I'm certainly just more uh, attuned to preach what I practice and this is this is mere exploration so let's explore that I'll ask the questions you come up with your own answers what would life be like if you looked forward to every minute You see, anybody who's ever come close to answering that question, anyone who ever let the question just linger for several minutes or hours, they already know. They're, they're, they're on a different level of comfort with that question than someone who's never asked it before because... What they know is that the common rebuttal to such a comment that, hey, nobody looks forward to taking the trash out. Nobody looks forward to scraping the manure off the barn floor or changing a diaper. The person who's seriously asked that question, what would life be like if I looked forward to every bit of it? knows that 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 rebuttal is junk 
it ignores the basic premise of the question, which is, what if I looked forward to every minute, every trash walk, every dishwash, every dirty diaper? What if I looked forward <laughs> to every baby's scream in the night <laughs> you see the answer that comes just you know like I, I get like I guess you can't can you put it into words can you put into words what life would be like it doesn't it, it seems like something you can only go into your mind and picture the look on your own face when you're looking forward to every moment you know every every moment you have to look forward to the next moment and simultaneously you appreciate all of it I think that's something worth aspiring that's getting high on your own supply that's what that is <laughs> something worth aspiring to that's that's something worth staying up and recording this podcast so very quickly i'll describe a bit of the journey i made a decision about a little over three years ago that i would quit a position i held with 100 million dollar company and I thought that my role was directly helping to create problems, serious ones in the world. And, and not only that, they were directly opposed to my own interests, my, my own personal business interests, my own, my own views. Um, so I, I made the decision to quit that without any really plans for the coming time. Um, it just so happened that that job fit in really well with trying to accomplish, you know, trying to be a part-time farmer. And um, I knew that quitting, quitting the job was going to put a strain on that insofar as it might require me to get a different full-time job. Didn't care. I really did not care. I, I, um, I walked away from a pretty well-paying job that was something kind of easy to live off of my savings for a year and then eventually take a, a job that paid a little bit less than half and uh, to be also to be able to farm and I started up I, I expanded massively the flock of sheep that I was caring for uh, so that was that was two years ago and that has required numerous hours of work it's required blood, sweat, and tears, no doubt about all of those. Uh, and it has been a challenge which I have chosen for myself. You see, I didn't just walk away from a job that I thought was destroying the world, let's be frank about it. I went after a form of work that was in direct competition to that force of destruction. And, you know, so I put my skin in 
in the game of the ideas that I upheld, and I put all of it. It takes time. Um, it take it, it's it's it has a hold over my finances, and uh, at this point, I I really need to to do some some organization. I need to reclaim my calendar because it's difficult to get away. Put it to put it simply. Uh, farming is a this is sort of a sporadic activity it's, you know we we can work 12 to 14 hour days many many days between april 15th and june 30th that's kind of the way the, the last three cropping years have gone and then that kind of turns back on sometime in september usually and requires all you know that same full day um and it's exhausting while it's happening and then you never know during those times you know so so uh, far- farming is 100% priority during those times and and then you don't know when those windows are going to end either you know it could be june 30th but it could be august 5th um and or it could be august 19th and and so you know i personally need to kind of take back a hold of my schedule need to I'm not sure why I'm going into this but the point is it has a hold over my time insofar as I'm unorganized about it but it also requires a a sort of time commitment that a lot of people aren't to give and it requires a great deal of motivated energy uh, and of intellectual commitment to handle sheep and the land in the way that I'm doing. I've questioned myself plenty for the last two years, but I've never really questioned if I was going in the right direction. You know, you, whether or not I should be doing it, I should be doing it, that comes into question. But there's never been a question about whether it was a worthy course. That That's never been down. It is. It's worth it. It's worth it to fight for the things that part of the trouble of doing so little organization of this show is that I'm pretty sure I'm on the cusp of repeating myself from one episode to the next. Not not so much in 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 matters that that require that, but just matters of repeating content that I may have already discussed. But I don't remember because it was months ago, and, and probably that was the case. And and two, I you know I don't have notes. I don't do much editing of the content, and so a lot of what gets published here, I only hear the one time that it comes out of my mouth. So I, I I'm I'm gonna risk that. And so the thing that comes to mind about about what's worth it or not is an excerpt from Atlas Shrugged. Dagny is thinking about something that she wants very much. And, you know, it's just it's just burning a holes in her mind and her heart. And she's having this conversation with a you might call it the the superego. In in this case, though, it's not a toxic one in Dagny. And so she's she can tells herself that nothing is worth the effort. Just give up. It's it's hopeless. And this this what I'm going to call superego voice comes back when nothing seems worth the effort. That's a smokescreen for the reality that it's a value that's worth too much. I'm paraphrasing that, but I'll uh, I'll repeat it. When nothing seems worth the effort, that's a smokescreen hiding 
a value that is worth too much or worth everything. It's a, it's a really undersighted line, but it's one that has stuck with me quite often. And, you know, what comes to mind is that we, we would have that sort of mental process in order to protect us from, from the different sorts of negative feelings that come with failure. You know, either, either um, failing to achieve that value, failing to keep it, etc., uh, but also to protect us from harm that occurs in in the pursuit. Uh, this is something that Nassim Taleb kind of uh, describes as the point of procrastination being an, an evolutionary trait, which is that standing back from doing something new is something that protects a lot of individuals. And so that's why we would have that smokescreen as a, as a psychological feature to keep us, you know, from failing to pursue a value, we would have that smoke screen that says, oh, it's not worth it. Nothing's worth it. Nothing is worth it. Well, it's because it's worth everything. It's worth losing everything. What would life be like if you looked forward to every minute? What would life be like if you at least look forward to every day? Every day. How wild would it be if you were, if you had an experience like the movie About Time? Sorry, I can't name uh, a lead actor, but you know he he spoiler alert can time travel, and it's a fairly straightforward ability, and he uses it to live a, an exceedingly ordinary life. At the end, he refers to his extraordinary ordinary life. He talks about how you know, every day, at the end of the day, he uh, he reflects on the day, and and then he repeats it. He does it over. Um, with all the flourishes and fun, smiles, etc., that that he forgot when he let life drag him out of focus with life, does the day over, whole day, and then he says, "I've been doing it enough that I usually just enjoy. I just do the day right the first time." It's really powerful, and the move, the movie's so cheery. And overall, yeah, so positive that you hardly even notice how profound it is at the end. Very much worth watching. What would life be like if you looked forward to every day? If you looked forward to every day. You looked forward to looking forward to every day. (laughs) Give it a thought. Ask not only what would your life be like if you looked forward to every day. What would life be like? as a human on planet Earth be like if everyone looked forward to every day. It's in a moment like this of pondering that I wonder, do we have too much serenity? <laughs> I, I, I jest. I just, I guess, I guess real serenity is, is actually having acted. Apathy, apathy is, is, uh, the state where we might like to call, (laughs) call ourselves serene. Obviously without having fought for our values. What would life be like? 
the thing is, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm entertaining too much. I don't think I'm asking for too much. It's, it's our idea of what is impossible. Our idea of what is impossible impresses too much upon what is possible. You see, impossible, for the most part, is a concept. And it is a powerful one that creates reality or, or it shapes the edges of reality by limiting our efforts. What would life be like if we all made 20 times more mindful decisions, conful, <coughs> pardon me, <laughs> conscious decisions as we've come to refer to refer to them conscious you you made this conscious decision you know uh, and the more the more frequently we use the word the the more we lose sight of the fact that that conscious is what we're all supposed to be all the time uh, aside from some of the finer things that maybe we're supposed to be more attentive or, or pardon me we're supposed to automate more such as washing our hands or or brushing our teeth. Part of the reason that we don't look forward to every minute of every day is that we rely on certain filters to to try to make our access to reality more smooth and efficient. Um, if if you really think about just on the visual level if you were observant of everything around you all the time it it would be kind of exhausting um to be to be engaged with the beauty of of your visual experience constantly would would be overwhelming you wouldn't be able to focus on the, on on many of the things that you need to to accomplish, right? So we're so we're we're always filtering out some part of reality in order to be functional in other respects, and and so this is a barrier to enjoying every minute, every of every day, or or looking forward to it. That's. That I that, that that distinction that I want to try to keep hold on to there is is looking forward to every minute of every day is is different from enjoying every minute of every day. The former might lead to the latter. That's where I'm going with this. Overall, I think it would lead to a much more pleasing experience of life a much more worthy life to have lived and a much more enjoyable one to share with other people at least presuming that other people are uh, willing to pursue such forward lookingness 
and and so I set out to do that, and I've I've been able to realize that on a on a pretty highly consistent basis. It's not perfect. It's almost every day. When I was thinking about that earlier today, my mind wandered to the things that I've given up. This this text message that I mentioned was was very interesting because it it comes from came from someone who has many of the values in life that I would like to have or wouldn't mind having and but don't and who looked on my life looks on my life what's the word I'm looking for here as inspiration as teaching and this was bizarre in addition to being unexpected and out of the blue it was bizarre <laughs> to hear you don't you don't expect that <laughs> you, you don't expect that you will uh I didn't I did I didn't I didn't expect that I would uh, quit my job be uh financially strapped basically it's not that I have nothing going for me be uh single childless uh, next to friendless uh have ha- have very little social life it's funny it's funny uh someone <laughs> no, I'm just going to leave that story for another time. Um, but next to no social life and, and so many things. And to to have someone tell you that you're their teacher <laughs> yeah, in, in really meaningful ways. I, I don't I don't have words for it yet. Other than a surprise and and bizarre because, well, it's just a little bit backwards, isn't it? (laughs) So years before I quit my job, I realized that we lived in a, in a financial slash economic environment that, that made the chances of me retiring, or the chances of a, of a uh, let's say large swaths of people retiring wealthy, re, you know, retiring comfortably, retiring at all, that was next to you know next to none. Uh, not only that, but there were much more important problems with our financial economic system dynamics that could just make the idea of retirement. 
obsolete. And so that begins to shift one's uh, perspective to, you know, to where, where their energy and where their funds ought to really be going. And, and then, uh, you know, I also realized, I guess later, I, I, it, it took years of building on the same information to come to the full realization that, that, the, that the monetary system is, is a terminal disease. I've probably talked a little bit about this, but really changed my perspective as far as, okay, again, so do, do, like how much energy do I put into earning dollars? Um, how much do I, energy do I put into that? Because where, you know, what, where does that energy go? If that's what I'm trading uh, a lot of my own energy for, what what does the what does that where does that dollar where does that energy go when I exchange it for a dollar? Because it doesn't just it doesn't just go into the you know the accounts of the the businessmen that I might be working for, so on and so forth. Um, the people that I'm buying from, right? It doesn't end there. What is that dollar? And and so all of those sorts of questions, and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's rampant corruption. Uh, and, and, oh, yeah, and by the way, I already knew that we're on this philosophical path that's going to destroy us. Okay. <laughs> um, what, I, does it make any sense for me to stay on these paths? No, it does not. It really doesn't. It doesn't make sense for any of us to stay on these paths if we understand the things that I'm talking about. Now, of course, I'm, I'm going to gloss over those things, but it doesn't make any sense. This is where the procrastination gene needs to uh, come to its... its um, switching off point it, it's epigenetic um interceptor the the circumstances need to say ah haven't hit rock bottom but going to rock bottom is inevitable therefore let's change let's change course first these are the sorts of thought processes that that one goes through and in, in their 20s when they're uh, dedicated to truth and uh, and a commitment to living. What would life be like if we looked forward to every day, every minute? That last tangent there is, 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 uh, has a lot to do with getting at the fact that I have made a lot of different financial decisions, differing financial decisions ultimately, that are not headed in this conventional trend. You know, we, we now have trended in, in, in that, that way of retirement, of, of um, hoarding up salt or gold 
over our able years so that we can spend it all or spend much of it in in our twilight in which we're not so physically able and I'm not putting down that idea but I am suggesting that we're reaching this point at which we have we can less afford to store our energy in that way than we have the need of using it right now right now and it was those sorts of thought processes that brought to mind the movie Gattaca now I I really hope that there's someone out there who's going to listen to this episode and more than that I hope there's someone who's going to have the patience to to get through the, the, the moments of where the hell is this going, you know. Uh, I promise it's worth it. Um, but I, I watched the movie Gattaca when I was at, at university, and it was, uh, it was a breakup from an otherwise, I would say, near-total propagandist course that that was um, meant to familiarize us with biotechnology but mostly it was it was propagandism propaganda pardon me for uh, biotech corporations etc but but the movie Gattaca was kind of a, a breakup from that because it was a it was an optional it was an, it was an extra credit opportunity. You could watch the movie and write an essay about it for for extra credit. Because the the movie Gattaca is based on a setting in which almost every child is born through in vitro fertilization involving uh, designer DNA. So so basically an embryo is put together by so you know the, the 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 manipulations we've already heard about. It's like you know blue eyes, blonde hair. Only let's go further. Let's eliminate this disease gene and that disease gene, so on and so forth. Which, by the way, is a really terrible idea. But it it in the movie it it sets this scene where there's so many assumed perfect persons. You know they're just so much better than a naturally born child because they're never going to get sick, etc. Well, that just makes them a perfect slave, you know. The the slave that you really need is one that doesn't cost you much, right? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll not get (laughs) into the the cries for universal health care. But the point of this story is that there is someone in the movie who is born naturally. And at some point in his life, uh, early on, he decides that he wants to do something that he, he will eventually be precluded from doing because he's natural born. And only someone who was conceived in, uh, in a petri dish or whatever, how it works, 
can can be qualified for such a position. And it's a it's a pretty good story. It's a pretty good story. I'm thinking about rewatching the movie, but. This this character has an older brother who was conceived during uh, with IVF, designer DNA, etc. And, and as children uh, or or young adults, they race. They uh, they go out into the ocean and have a swim race on uh, so, on occasional bases and. I don't remember whether they're trying to just see who can swim the farthest or who or who can make it to the other side of a cove the fastest. And I don't remember exactly how that goes, but but the natural can naturally conceived brother loses and loses and loses as they grow up and and his older brother's kind of hard on him if I remember and and finally they they meet one day as adults and decide that they will try this race again and they're doing it in the dark this time and this time the younger brother wins basically uh again the it's the naturally conceived not designer baby brother who wins as an adult and they're out there in the sea and the older brother says hey stop stop you crazy you know you and and the younger natural born brother says, "Hey, look, we gotta. We may as well keep going because we're we're already halfway past. It's it'll be closer to the other side now than it will be to turn around." And and the older brother says, "Hey, how are you doing this? You know, you're just you're out here thrashing through this water harder than I've ever seen anyone swim. I mean, that that's sub subtext to me." And oh yeah, and you're and you're my naturally conceived brother. You're you're supposed to be the one who's inferior. And he says to him, "You want to know? You know how I'm doing all of this? Not just swimming. You know how I'm doing all this? I never saved anything for the swim back. I never saved anything for the way back. I spend too much time relaxing. Maybe too much time putting off." tasks that I maybe ought to do. Maybe too much time doing that when, oh, I would develop the a branch of the future that's going to be harder develop, to develop later if I don't develop it now, or that might lead to, let's say, more income in the near future if I just was working on it, or ballooned income in the farther future, right? And so there's that to consider about my, my time not well spent, but uh, which would each away from my relation to that movie scene, though. Um, I don't. I don't work around the clock. I, I don't want to, and I'm not sure I would approve of myself if I were. But still, I feel a kinship with that line. I never saved anything for the swim back. In certain ways, I, I, I very much identify with that. I don't, I, it's not just about work as we think of work. I've spent time and energy trying to gain knowledge that would serve my pursuit of values and, and as an extension, extension of such would, would help me help others to do the same. And that's, I guess that's kind of partly what that text was about. 
I have been someone who's been very hard to take, very difficult to fathom the words that I say for the last 10 years. So many of them run off of the people who are supposed to be closest to me, like water off a duck. I'm so much more serious than the average person thinks is healthy, and I'm not the least bit guilty about that. I think the average person is fucking lost uh, when they say things like positive vibes only. <laughs> you need to come off of it. You need to you need to step down from that. Put it simple, it's no way to live. It sounds sounds dangerously evasive. And I have done the opposite. I've have seldom shied away. There's, I mean, yeah, sure, there's times that I have not said the hard thing to say, but I, I can't help but think that there's been so many moments that I've never even reached because uh, the, I said the, the, hard, the less hard things that you still usually go unsaid. I said them earlier on in a, in a process of conversations, and, and I have pushed people away uh, deliberately. I have pushed people away with the energetic field around me because I wasn't handling certain types of information with the care, um, both intellectual care and emotional care that needs to be extended to others when you're handling such ideas. And I've also pushed them away just with with the handling itself. There's just people aren't, aren't ready. So many people have not been ready for the things that I've, tr- I've tried to share with the world for the last so many years. And that's tough, but it, 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 that's at, at the root of that kinship that I feel with that scene with Ethan Hawke's character, that I never, I wasn't saving anything for the way back. Maybe I let a um, relationship languish. Maybe I let it go because I knew that ultimately I needed to seek values outside of that relationship. Ultimately, that relationship if it was going to act as an obstacle to a world worth achieving, a world worth building, then then why would I choose a kind of pseudo or fake harmony in the relationship? People do it all the time. I, I think it, it really comes out of focus. You know, it, it, there's a lack of focus. There's a lack of philosophical education that would that would put such things into perspective very simply very quickly you know it's like no you need to do the hard thing you need to do the hard thing because that's that's what's going to pay the most and like it, it's it's not that there's not that much at risk <laughs> you know the the worst case scenario is that you die in a car wreck or some other unexpected circumstance the worst case scenario is not that you will starve or be poor i mean for god's sake you get second chances you know what what's keeping you from doing something meaningful is that the idea that you'll be out on the street we're all going to be out on the street we are all going to be figuratively out on the street if we don't get our shit together if we don't 
actually pay attention and energy to the problems that need our solutions, need our actions and our attendance. We're all going to be out on the street. It's like, oh, what if I strike out on my own to, to do this dream of mine? And then I strike out one, two, three. It's like you walk back to the dugout. If you've done anything right in your life, someone will be there for you. And if they're not, you get to look forward to a whole new experience. I mean, easy for me to say I've never been homeless. I'm not at much of a risk of it. But, you know, <laughs> uh, why not? Why not risk it? <laughs> uh, you know, it's just your life. It's just your life. You know, you, 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 can, you can struggle a lot of ways, at least struggle in a way that, that makes it worth it, not in an agony of knowing that you didn't fight for your values. You can be that guy. You can not save anything for the way back. I think that's very much akin to looking forward to every moment. There's a certain sort of attention, pardon me, intention, and attention, yes, both of that, that have to be paid, have to be manifested in order to to live that way. The reward, though, you know, a lot of people are, are going to be worried about the reward, and the reward is what you're living all the time. It's, it's not a two-week vacation. It's not retiring at 55, and that's, that's part of what I wanted to get across, is that, you know, retiring at 55, <laughs> retiring right now, it's like, think about, think about so many of these boomers, you know, that get they get so much disgust. So many of them are, are willing to continue killing this planet for another 10 years so that they can have what they were promised, a break at the end. Paradise. Paradise on Earth, huh? Free from toiling in the Earth all your days. What about every day? What about looking forward to every day? What about every day embracing the fact that this is your life, the time is yours, and that you can make the world out of it that you can look forward to every day because you chose you chose perfection you chose to try you see every day embracing life like that is eternity the embrace of every day is forever what would life be like if you look forward to making every day observing yourself observing others observing consequences making the world out of the little corrections you make like that movie about time what would life be like? Look forward to it. It would last forever. What would life be like? We would call it heaven. I thank you for your time and your attention. Go make beautiful things. Mm-hmm.